Hello and welcome to Painting the Corners and our Top 10 Right Now series. We are moving on to shortstops, probably what you were waiting for. One of the most stacked positions in MLB. We just talked about third base, another huge position, but shortstop is where the stars get paid. We've seen it this offseason, last offseason. Absolutely huge class of superstar shortstops that we're going to get into. So even the guys at the 8, 9, 10 range are you know, franchise players definitely makes it interesting to rank. So without further ado, let's get into the top 10 shortstops right now. The shortstop position, like you mentioned, we are here. The most exciting position on the field with some of the most exciting players in the game. This was a really, really fun list. And what I found, Johnny, is while there's a lot of positions such as third base and and whatnot that are pretty top heavy, this position, one through ten, has a lot, a lot of guys with star potential, unlike any other list that we've done so far. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not top heavy. It's just deep. Um, It's got the stars. It's got the superstars. It's got the all stars. It's got every kind of star there is. And even down into just the really, really good players. And, you know, you go down to 15, 20 even. And it's guys that either were up on this list before or you really think can't move up here soon. No, exactly. Exactly true there, Johnny. And another thing that I noticed when I was looking at the list of shortstops here is there's some interesting young guys who, for me, definitely just missed my list, but it's a position where I feel like there can be a lot, a lot of turnover next year. And with that being said, I feel like next year there can be an even deeper list of guys being considered for the top 10 that even this year. Um, and, and like I said, I'm sure we'll get into some of those guys, but there's a lot of rookies who, if they build off of this year, next year are going to be in the conversation. Absolutely. You're talking about like Gunnar Henderson over the Orioles, Vaughn Grissom going to get a starting look for the Braves at shortstop. Um, Bobby Witt Jr. If he plays short for the Royals, O'Neill Cruz, of course, getting some more at bats in Pittsburgh. All those guys could be serious risers on this list. Yep, and those are the names that I was referring to there, so you hit that right on the head. So with all that said, I don't think there's too much more to get into other than I think we're going to be weighing defense a little bit more here at shortstop. I'm guessing you did the same. Yeah, I totally did. I, uh, If you recall from the last couple episodes, I had a 3.5 to 1 offense to defense ratio at Third base, I had two and a half to one at second base. I split the difference here and went three to one in favor of offense. And that's partially just because there's a lot of good hitters here. Um, And I wanted to reward that at second base. There's just not as many good hitters. So you kind of had to uh, talk about the defense a little bit more. But um, yeah, shortstop, it's a hitting position now. It's not just the uh, old time slap hitters, steal bases, play good defense position. That is put perfectly, Johnny. Alrighty, so I will dive deep into my top 10 list right now. And kicking it off is a guy who 
for the last four years has found himself batting above 300, and that is Tim Anderson over in Chicago. Was playing through some injuries last year. Um, didn't play a ton, but the track record speaks for itself. While he doesn't have a ton of power per se, he's not you know a guy who consistently has a high slug. He just consistently hits above 300, and it was tough to leave him off the list, but I felt like putting him at number 10 was a good spot. The guy ahead of him, a guy who's really broken out ever since he was traded to Milwaukee, and that is Willie Adamas. You know, he's a kind of a stereotypical sellout type of guy, but the results have been there for him the last two years. Really good to see Adamas flourishing over there in Milwaukee. At number eight, someone who can jump this list next year if he can just play and stay healthy, and that is Wander Franco. Got the extension in his rookie year. An absolute talented freak of nature. Last year, in only 83 games, like I said, unable to stay healthy, he posted a 7% walk rate and a 9% K rate. Those are just video game numbers when it comes to the K rate. So he comes in at number 8. At number 7, the new shortstop over there in Chicago, and that is the Chicago Cubs shortstop, Dansby Swanson. Had a career year last year. Tough to ignore that it was a career year in his contract year, but there are certain things you like about the offensive profile, and the defense has been there since day one, and he showed that again last year, so he comes in at number seven. At number six, a guy who a lot of people kind of felt like had a down year, but man, he turned it on in September and October, kind of saving his numbers and showing us who he really can be, and that is Bo Bichette. Uh, again, a young guy who has been in the league for a couple years now and is showing us that he's definitely a top 10 guy. I think some people would have thought he could con- be in the consideration for that top three range when he first came up, but I think six right now is a good spot for him. Coming in at number five, another shortstop with a new team this year, and that is going to be Xander Bogarts of the San Diego Padres. Uh, a bat first guy for sure. But last year definitely improved the defense, and I think there's a lot to like there. I I wanted to push him up higher on the list, uh, given the improvements on defense. But the guys in front of him to me are just too good to to allow Xander to jump. If Xander does it again defensively with the bat again, I can definitely see him jumping up next year. So with that said, let's get into the top four. And number four for me is Francisco Lindor, the New York Mets shortstop, led all of shortstops last year in WAR. Uh, with 6.8, and the dude just produces on defense, produces on offense, a switch hitting shortstop. There's just a ton to love about Lindor, so he finds himself coming in at number four. At number three for me, I was a little bit surprised that he came in at number three, but the more I looked into the statistics, I really, really like him, and that is Texas Rangers shortstop Corey Seager. I definitely feel like he got overlooked with a bad Texas Rangers team last year. But he posted some great peripherals, a lot to like about him. I feel like there's a lot to improve upon from last year, and I'll get more into that. But like I said, Corey Seager at number three. At number two, a guy who, again, is on a new team this year. A lot of shortstops transferring teams, and that is Trey Turner. Uh, Quite honestly, I anticipated him being my number one, and there's an argument for him to be my number one, but... At the end of the day, I have my reasons, and I'm sure we will get into that later. And given all that, I'm sure you guys can guess, the whole offseason was centered around his free agent saga, and that was Carlos Correa. He is officially a twin. No need to worry. He's not a Met. He's no longer a Giant. He is a Minnesota twin once again. I love Carlos Correa. There's so much to like about the guy. 
surprising to me, I didn't realize this, but he had the highest WRC plus amongst all shortstops last year. So Carlos Correa coming in at number one. Johnny, let's hear yours. Wow. Okay, this is going to be a really interesting one because we only have one guy that's completely different on our list. And by my count, we have five direct agreements, which is probably the most we've ever had. But at the same time, I think this is one of our most different lists. And so I will get into it right here. I'm excited. At number 10, and I'm going to be honest with you, I do not think this man is a top 10 shortstop in the league. But at number 10, I have Brandon Crawford of the San Francisco Giants. Had a monster 2021 season. um, Did not reach those heights again in 2022 and was injured a little bit, but the defense is insane. He's still about a league average hitter, slightly above. Um, So that was enough to sneak him into the list at number 10. At number nine, the first of those five agreements, we've got Willie Adamas of the Brewers. Um, You pretty much touched on it. Solid defensively, solid offensively, just a really well-rounded shortstop. He's blossomed after being traded away from the Rays. Not a thing that you say about a lot of guys, usually the other way around. Um, but he comes in at number nine at number eight, two spots lower than you had him. I have Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm not as high on him as you are. He did turn his numbers around late in the year, but overall still wasn't as really stellar as we expected. You know, yeah, you mentioned it. We thought he could be a top three on this list. And with the top, I don't even know, five, six, seven, so crowded, it's really tough to move up. So um, yeah, if he has a huge year next year, he could certainly move up, but going to be tough with the guys ahead of him. At number seven, again, in agreement, Dansby Swanson now of the Chicago Cubs. The defense is outstanding. The offense is coming around, it looks like. Um, 2021 was a career year, and then 2022, he bested it. So uh, he's had the two best years of his career offensively, back-to-back. Um, hopefully he can replicate that production if the wind is favorable to him in Chicago. At number six, flip-flopping with Bichette, I've got Wander Franco. Um, Yeah, you said he hasn't been on the field too much, and I agree with that, but when he is, and we're projecting that he is going to be on the field this year, he's just spectacular. Um, Never strikes out. He's got the power switch hitter, so you can't, you know, platoon against him. He's just a super, super well-rounded player. Um, I'm a firm believer that the defense is going to improve with age, and it's already, you know, fine, not bad. So he comes in at number six. At number five, straight across, Xander Bogarts. You said it exactly. Bat first guy, the glove uh, improved last year, but we're not entirely sure if that's uh, a permanent change or whatnot. But as it stands right now, Probably the third best hitter in the class, but the defense kind of dragged him down a little bit. So he comes in at number five. And now at number four, a guy who I have a lot lower than some people, and that includes you. Trey Turner came in as my number four shortstop in baseball. So I know we're going to have to have some discussions about that. But he's a he's a uh, great hitter, another bat first guy, hits for average, Got a little bit of pop. Um, obviously, an elite, elite base runner, one of the fastest players in the game. He comes in at number four. At number three, 
we are in agreement again on Corey Seager of the Texas Rangers. I think you totally hit the nail on the head that he's been a little bit overlooked because the Rangers were so bad last year. You know, he was supposed to kind of turn that franchise around um, and he didn't, but he still had a good year. And I actually had him as the best offensive player in this shortstop class. Um, Another guy whose defense is not quite at the elite level of the top two guys. And that top two. At number two, I have Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets, which means at number one, I have Correa. So we did agree on the top spot, but definitely some flip-flopping. I'm just touching on Lindor and Correa. Lindor, obviously just a stellar, stellar two-way shortstop. Um, Great with the bat, even greater with the glove. Another switch hitter, so I like that. And um, Correa, yeah, you just can't sleep on him. He's got the power, probably the most power of anybody on this list outside of Seager, maybe. Um, And, yeah, just the glove is there. The bat is there. He's the the most well-rounded of these shortstops. Well, it's funny you say uh, before you started your list that we have a lot of agreement, but there's also some big disagreements. But ironically, some of the disagreements that we have at one point or another, I had those guys in those positions that you did. So I think we're a little bit more similarly minded on this one. But there are definitely some some things we're going to have to talk about, um, you know, Brandon Crawford and, and Trey Turner to start. But I'd like to start with this. Who are some of the guys who just missed your list for you? Um, just missed for me was Tommy Edmond, Jeremy Pena, Tim Anderson. That's kind of the range of guys that I would consider um, bumping up into that 10 spot. If you're looking below that, J.P. Crawford, Gavin Lux, Trevor Story, who won't play very much for the Red Sox this year, those guys are all uh, a little bit out of the picture. Yeah, I agree with you on Tommy Edmond. I had him as just missing. He was my number 11. An interesting guy I think we should touch on really quick because very elite defender, and he's proven that he can be an elite defender at shortstop, not just second base. But the bat just isn't quite there yet. Though last year it was good, the year before it was bad. Um, but he's a guy who I think, if he can build a little bit more offensively off of last year, and the defense is what it is, I think he finds himself as a top 10 shortstop. I think so too. And it, I mean, it depends on the guys above him and around him as well. Um, but yeah, I think he's definitely got a legit shot if he can just kind of, you know, find a little more pop, get on base a little bit more. Uh, he can definitely be a top 10 shortstop. Um, another guy I really want to touch on is Jeremy Pena, because that was probably the most shocked I was. Uh, it was either Crawford making the list or Pena missing the list was shocking to me because I guess with Pena, you know, you have the recency bias. He was ALCS MVP and World Series MVP. Um, just carried the Astros through the second half of their postseason run. And you see him on the biggest stage, getting on base, hitting home runs. But he didn't have a great, great year like some of these other guys did. And also, he's a rookie. So um, just the fact that you only have that one season sample for him um, is definitely a bit tough. Yeah, and I really didn't like Pena. He didn't even make that just list area for me. And quite honestly, really only Tommy Edmund was in consideration. But Pena was in that 15. I think I had, yeah, I had Pena coming in at 15 for me. And I think the reason was a little bit of what you talked about there. 
but he also walked less than 4% of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that scares me quite a lot, especially when there's not really a hard hit percentage or a great K rate to supplement that. So while I do like Pena, I think he's a gamer and I think he's clearly made for the playoffs and that Astros team, he fits perfectly. I don't know if we ever really see him getting into that elite shortstop range, kind of like the fans thought. Um, You know, MLB Network releases a list of what the fans vote as the top 10, and they had Pena coming in at number three. Obviously a bias towards his (laughs) postseason prowess and the name value, but yeah, that tells you a lot that he is nowhere to be found on any reasonable list, so... Like you said, though, Pena, though, has a lot of of name recognition, and he has that potential, but not ever seeing him into a superstar range. So He just needs to develop a little bit more. He needs to increase that walk rate, cut down on the strikeouts. He basically just needs to make his profile a little bit more consistent and projectable. Totally agree with you on that. So let's dive into trying to make a consensus list here. And I think number 10 will be a pretty straightforward debate in terms of neither one, whatever we're arguing at 10, it's not going to be someone that we have on our list higher. Uh, So it's going to be either someone that we both have off our list or one of our tens. And I think it's funny that you talk about Brandon Crawford at number 10 for you, because quite honestly, Brandon Crawford, when I was just looking at the accumulation of the two years, because that's what I look at first and basing it off of a two year sample, Brandon Crawford was in my top 10. However, when I brought up the second part of my research, which includes projections from the Bat X, as well as how he did last year with that recency, he dropped all the way down to second to last. So I need a lot of convincing to put Brandon Crawford on my list. And you're not going to get it from me. I, I honestly agree. Like I said it off the top. I don't think he's a top 10 shortstop. I think my model is probably weighing 2021 a bit too heavily in this case. It really shouldn't be. It's only 20% weight on 2021, but it was a pretty monster year. 138 WRC plus was third highest, uh, really second highest among shortstops in that year. So that's probably just an artifact of that. The projections aren't terrible. They have him as a league average hitter, um, but last year he was well below league average, only 87 WRC plus. The walk-in K rates are respectable, so that's probably uh, another point in his favor for my list. But yeah, no, that's not really to say that he should be a top 10 shortstop. However, I'm not convinced that uh, our boy Tim Anderson is a top 10 shortstop either. Um, I had him, I actually had him at 15 because I included some guys that we didn't, uh, that weren't on the MLB Network list, like Gunnar Henderson and Vaughn Grissom. Um, But so if you if you take those guys out of consideration, I have him at 13, you're still going to have to do some convincing to tell me why he should be above Edmund even. Yeah, so I think there's a, a stigma out there a little bit with TA that he's just a contact guy and doesn't really provide much more as a baseball player. And while I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that he's a contact first profile, it is really, really difficult for me to overlook that the last four years he's hit above 300. Now I'm, 
I don't love batting average. Trust me, I don't. But that is something that is pretty eye-popping and it's consistent. And for me, that is something that is, you've repeated it for four years. That's clearly the value that you bring. I value that. And I'm looking at Tommy Edmond, who last year, no doubt, was probably a slightly better hitter than TA. Not by, not by a wide margin, but he was. And he played a little bit more. I don't necessarily think that Tim Anderson profiles as someone who's going to start to regress. I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get with him, and he's consistently done it. He's consistently done it through high BABIPs. He's shown that that doesn't really matter. I don't know. I I've, I considered Edmund over him as well, but when it came down to it, Tim Anderson has just been a mainstay at the shortstop position for a long time, unlike Edmund, and has proven that he can consistently hit for that high average. So for me, that was enough to put him at 10. And I felt confident with the 10 spot. I don't think he's better than anyone above him, but I, I think that he provides a better floor than some of these other guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I grant you that he is a better hitter than Edmund Edmund. I don't think it's by that much. Yes. The average is impressive for sure. But as you said, last year, Edmund was on par, if not slightly better than Anderson. And also now that's, two years in a row that he's missed fairly significant time. He missed about a month in 2021 and then he missed half the year last year. So if he's healthy, if he can replicate this, if he can sustain that high BABIP, if he can, if he can run as well as he had been before in the injuries, um, then yeah, okay. I, I can see that. But with Edmund, I'm just kind of playing the safer bet of a guy who has played you know, all the games the last few years um, and has the good defense that we know is not going to slump. Whereas Anderson's offense, yes, it has been consistent, but offense just is always a little bit more fickle. Yeah. And like I said, I considered Edmund over Anderson. It was a pretty close debate for me, quite honestly. So did you have Edmund at 11? Is that what you're saying? I did. Yeah. So I also had Edmund at 11. So, for the sake of coming up to consensus, I think I am okay with putting him at number 10 if you are. All right. Sounds good. All right. So Tommy Edmund coming in at number 10. And like Johnny mentioned when he was going through his list, our number nines are the same. Willie Adamas. Um, anything you want to touch on with him, or did we kind of cover cover the bases there? I think we covered it. All righty. So that kind of moves into a 6, 7, 8 range that we're going to have to figure out here. And the reason I kind of mentioned it earlier is that we're not as far off as you think is originally I had Wander Franco ahead of Bichette and Swanson, and I just couldn't stomach it given the fact that he hadn't played a lot the last two years. Projection-wise, I like Franco ahead of both of those guys, but just the fact that he hasn't played a lot, kind of similarly, similarly to your argument with Anderson, you know, Franco has a chance to be a top three shortstop, no doubt, but he just hasn't done it yet. And I love projection systems, but I'm still waiting for him to do it so that I can say, okay, you know, Wanda Franco, you are the sixth best shortstop. And for me, I just couldn't, especially given the fact that Dansby came off the year he did last year. And Bichette, albeit a little bit worse of a year than Dansby offensively, I like the peripherals there. So. That was my reasoning of putting that order. I just think Bichette has a little bit more upside than Dansby. That's why I have him at six over seven. And I also project 
Swanson to regress offensively off of last year. So with that said, Johnny, what is kind of your outlook on those three guys? Well, I do agree with what you said about Franco, that you really want to see him do it at least once before you're really ready to move him up into that elite group. Um, it's funny that we're talking about an elite group in the six, seven, eight range, but that's how deep shortstop right. is. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know. I'm okay with sliding him down a bit. Eight seems pretty low though. Although I'm not really sure how I'd make a distinction, um, between Bichette and Swanson. We both have them back to back. So I don't know if I could find a way to sandwich Franco between them. That seems kind of, I don't know. Well, let me quickly make a case for Bichette over uh, over Swanson because I feel pretty confident in that one. You know, Swanson provides the better defensive value. There's no doubt about that, and I am not here to argue that. However, I think that Bichette's offensive profile is pr- pretty significantly better. And so I just want to quickly look at last year, um, and then we can kind of go off that but if you're talking about last year a quote-unquote slow year for Bichette and like I mentioned he had the hot two months to end the year which helped his WRC plus was 13 points higher his hard hit rate was four points higher his strikeout rate was four points lower than that of Dansby and he did support us a walk rate that was one percentage point lower than Swanson but Bichette's hard hit rate while it's four percentage points higher than Swanson it's at a pretty significant hard hit rate and actually is the hardest hit rate amongst any shortstop that we considered last year, and by a wide margin, because number two is Dansby Swanson. So Bichette's hard hit rate came at 50%, something that I don't value a ton, but in this scenario, when I'm trying to compare two guys that are close to each other, and I look at guys with similar BABIPs last year, so you can't really argue one over the other in that way, I don't know. I just like Bichette's offensive profile a lot more than Swanson's, but I like Swanson's defensive profile a lot more than Bichette's. So when I looked at those two things, I'm like, well, offense is more important to me. Therefore, Bo Bichette, I think, projects future-wise to be a little bit better than that of Dansby. And when you look at the bad X, they're projected to do very similar things. But Bo Bichette, his WRC plus for next year is going to be 11 points higher. The defense for Dansby is going to be much better, and they're projected essentially similar wars. So in a lot of ways, it's what do you value more? Um, But that was kind of the reasoning behind Bichette over Swanson for me. Yeah, I totally agree. And they came in pretty close. Um, It's Yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's it's what do you value more? Because Swanson was 14th offensively, but second defensively, and Bichette was 7th offensively and 25th defensively. but yeah, the offensive gap is pretty huge. Um, I said Swanson had a career year last year, and that was only a 116 WRC+. Plus. Uh, Bichette cleared that pretty easily in both of the last two years. Um, and neither of those really seemed like peak peak Bichette. So yeah, I can I can project that his offense is going to continue to make him a little bit more valuable than Swanson. Um, and also just defense is more learnable, I think, than offense. You know, I'm, I'm more confident in Bichette getting better as a defender than I am in Swanson continuing to get better as an offensive player. Yeah, and I think that's a fair thing to say for sure. And Bichette just has the age behind him. He's younger, right. like you said, more years to kind of bounce onto that. So 
I don't know. Did I convince you to put Bichetta above Swanson? Yeah, you did, but you still haven't. We don't know where to put Franco yet. Yeah, and that's such a weird one for me. And like I said, what if we did this? And, and I am not opposed to this because at one point or another, I did have this as my list. What if at number eight, we put Swanson, number seven, Bichette, number six, Wander Franco? I'm okay with that. You're okay with that? Okay. You've kind of convinced me that Swanson isn't as, isn't as good as I thought. Okay, cool. Well, I did a little bit of my job there. I'll take that as a W because, like I said, I am good with Franco being number six. And like you mentioned earlier, we have X-Man Xander Bogarts at number five, so that makes that easy. And then we have a big discrepancy here at two and four. Yeah, I don't think we've had a, a two-point gap this high. On our lists. Yeah, and I would say, oh, we can put Seeger at three, but I think we should hold off just in case on that one. So yeah. what I want to hear from you is why you value Turner as the fourth best shortstop. Uh, I guess more so, why do you value Lindor and Seeger over Turner? Well, it's different arguments for the two of them. Um, with Turner versus Lindor, it's similar to the... Uh, Bichette versus Swanson thing. Lindor is six on offense, but number one on defense. And Turner is four on offense, so a little bit better, but 15th on defense. So, again, it's what do you value more? Um, Lindor came in fairly significantly ahead of Turner. Um, the Seeger-Lindor, for me, was closer than the the Turner-Seeger debate. But they're all, you know, within the ballpark, so I can consider moving some guys around. Um when I'm looking at Turner, though, uh, if I'm looking at his offense the last couple of years, um, you're looking at a, let's see here, a 142 WRC plus in 2021, really outstanding. And then last year, a 128, which is great, but not as outstanding. Um, if I'm comparing to Seeger, let's see here, I've got a 146 WRC plus in 2021, and even very slightly better than Turner. And then this past year, a 117. So very clearly uh, worse there. But if I'm looking like projection wise, who I think is going to bounce back to that level that they had in 2021, um, I see Seeger with an 8.7% walk rate, basically 9% walk rate and Turner down at 6.4%. Seeger also has a better strikeout rate by three percentage points. Um, Seeger also was only running a BABIP of 242 last year. Um, right. And I have him for 37 points of regression up to 279. Uh, on the other hand, Turner was running a BABIP of uh, whopping 342, a whole 100 points higher. And I have him due for 23 points of negative regression down to 319. Um, Turner is expected to have a higher BABIP overall because he's a faster player, hits a lot of balls on the ground. Um, so that's kind of where that discrepancy comes in. But certainly a big difference there with Seeger getting incredibly unlucky last year and Turner getting pretty significantly lucky. Um, so I think that pretty much explains right there the discrepancy in the WRC plus last year. Um, and if I'm looking at walk rate, K rate, um, hard hit rate, Seeger hits the ball pretty significantly harder than Turner. I'm projecting Seager to continue to be a better offensive player. And since the defense is similar, um, I continue to value Seager higher than Turner. 
Yeah, and quite honestly, all three of these guys are elite shortstops, and and you could even throw Correa into this mix, and, and that's, to some extent even Xander Bogarts. Like, I think there's a world in which there's arguments for any five of these guys to be in any order, and there will be arguments for all five of them. But I guess a couple of the things to touch on that you mentioned. Uh, the trade Turner Babbitt, I know you said you expect it to go down, but you kind of mentioned it in your argument that he's expected to have a high Babbitt. And I don't think for a guy like him with the elite speed that he has and the elite base running ability that he has, and you know he does lay down bunts here and there, I don't think the Babbitt being as high as it is is really that crazy. And quite honestly, while I do think, sure, could it regress a little bit? Yeah, I don't think it's that ridiculous of a regression if it were to be one so that's just more how i look at it another thing about seager though that and this is this is points in the favor of Corey. you mentioned the k rate you mentioned the walk rate you mentioned the unlucky babbit he also has a hard hit percentage four percentage points higher than lindor and turner so you kind of had all those things together i really like Corey seager's outlook a lot more than i like Turner's and Lindor's. And I think when it comes down to the argument against Turner and Lindor, me personally, I think Lindor played really, really well last year offensively, but I don't envision him doing better than that. I can't envision a world in which Turner does, but you know, that's just my personal opinion. And when I'm looking at the projection systems, um, (laughs) one of the craziest things on this, when you factor in the shortstops and they have to tease on here, but we know he's not a shortstop. So take him out. Corey Seager is projected a 140 WRC plus next year. Holy crap. Trey Turner's at 122. Lindor is all the way down at 115. And then you're looking war-wise, Turner and Seager are similar. Uh, Seager being a little bit ahead by 0.2. And then Lindor is down at 4.6, which is a half a war worse than Turner and almost a full war lower than Seager. So that was kind of my reasoning of having Lindor at 4. I felt like projection system wise and you know the only thing that i really liked about lindor more so than the other guy was was the defense but i just don't feel like that was enough for me so that's why i had him at four but in talking with you i like the idea of having seager at three or excuse me i like the idea of having Corey seager at number two Mm -hmm. almost ahead of trey turner um if you're comfortable locking that one in right now it might make the three four debate a little bit easier i am yeah Okay, so like like I mentioned, the 3-4 debate just comes down to the two guys of Lindor and Turner. Obviously, I had Turner at 2, you had Lindor at 2, I had Lindor at 4, you had Turner at 4. So, is there any leeway? Are you feeling any any sort of way that you like Turner over Lindor? Are you pretty staunch on your Lindor over Turner here? I am, actually. Um, I think I'm going to give you this one, because just when we're talking about these elite, elite, elite players in the game... I think we've got to focus on the offense a little bit more because, you know, the best defensive player in the world can still only cover the balls in his area. You know, you cannot carry your team on defense the way that you can carry your team on offense. And when we're talking about players, you know, who are just very good players, um, then, yeah, it makes sense to, to weigh the defense and the offense and consider both sides of it. But when you're talking about these players that are top 10, 15, 20 players in all of baseball, the this super, super elite offense really carries, I think. And for that reason, I'm okay putting Turner over Lindor. 
um, because he has that offense that can really just be the spark plug for a whole lineup. And uh, yeah, I'm imagining the Phillies will be certainly very happy to have him in their lineup next year. They certainly will. So yeah, I think you made a absolutely fantastic point there about weighing offense and defense because it's so tough. You wish that there could be a black and white answer to how to weigh them, but there's not. But I think the way the way you just put it there is was perfectly said. So with that said, let me quickly review our top ten and then I'll get into MLB Network's top ten. We had coming in at number ten Tommy Edmond. Following him was Willie Adamas, then Dansby Swanson, Bo Bichette, Wander Franco, Xander Bogarts at five, Francisco Lindor at four, Trey Turner three, Corey Seager two, and Carlos Correa one. So with that in mind, let's see what the shredder has to say about our top 10 and if it's in agreement with you or I more so than the other. So coming in at number 10, the guy that we had at number six, and that is Wander Franco coming in at number 10. And I can tell you right now that this is up there as one of the worst decisions I've seen them make. Oh my gosh. So that is terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if projections don't matter. I don't. I'm not too sure on what what they uh, what the gripe is with Wander there because there's clearly an upside that is not that far away from being tapped into with Mr. Franco. So if that gave you a what, I'm sure the guy ahead of him will give you a what as well because while he was on my list at number ten, there's no world in which he's ahead of Wander Franco, and that is Tim Anderson coming in at number nine. Wow. Thoughts on that nine ten, Johnny? Uh, terrible. I don't know if it's the worst they've done. They, they've had some pretty bad ones. Um, like I, I, I don't think it's terrible that Anderson is on the list. That's you know I wasn't very far off on him, and obviously you had him on the list. So um, I don't think that is terrible, even to have him at nine. But Franco at ten, what in the world is that? I mean, yeah, he hasn't played that much, but the the dude was the number one overall prospect for a reason. He tore it up in his first year. Um, he's just been slowed a little bit by injuries, but when he's been on the field, I mean, the profile is insane. He walks almost as much as he strikes out, hits the ball super hard, switch hitter again, just super huge upside there. Yeah, feels like somewhat of an oversight, but we will digress. We unfortunately cannot go storm the MLB Network studios and protest on that one. So coming in at number eight was a guy that we had at number nine as a consensus all the way across the board, and that is Willie Adamas coming in at number eight. Don't think that is too egregious by any means. One spot above where we had him, so I think we'll be okay with that. Coming in at number seven, we agreed that this was the number seven shortstop, and that is Bo Bichette. You know, a little bit lower than I had him, a little bit higher than you had him, but right in the middle there, so that is good enough. Coming in at number six was Mr. Dansby Swanson. We came to consensus he was eight, but I think we both agreed that he could have been in that six to eight range, though it seems a little bit high to have him above some of these other guys who I think have a little bit more potential, uh, whereas Dansby kind of hit his peak last year. I don't think this is egregious. So the top five here is definitely different than what you and I had, and I think... Like we said, there's an argument for all these guys in any order, but I definitely have a little bit of an issue at, with it, and, and I'm sure you will have someone somewhat of one as well, because their number five shortstop was Francisco Lindor. Wow. Now, coming in one spot ahead of him, 
No, sir. It is not who we had at number five at Xander. It is who we had at number two in Corey Seager coming in at number four. And then ahead of him was Xander Bogarts. So that was your three, four, five right there. And then to quickly cap off the top ten so we can kind of discuss the, the five that they had here, they did have Carlos Correa coming in at number two, even though we thought he was pretty obviously the number one. And number one, that leaves one guy left, Trey Turner. Wow. That is an interesting top five. I love that, like you, me, our consensus list, MLB, there's huge turnover in that top five. And you said it, there's really arguments for a bunch of different orders. But I felt pretty good about our consensus top five. So very interesting that they are so far off from that. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing about it. It's, no, not pretty much. It's completely different. There's not a single person that they agreed upon with us at any sort of spot, you know, even our personal lists, I'm looking at them right now, they don't match with either one of our personal lists on any of the five. So it's completely flopped around where we had them and where we came to a consensus with. So that is definitely interesting, but it's tough to say that it's terrible. It's just interesting. Yeah, like I can I can make arguments for all these. Um, but... Yeah, Lindor at five is probably the worst one. Although, I mean, Bogarts is better offensively, so you can you can certainly argue that. Uh, you cer- certainly can, and if they're weighing last year a little bit heavier, I can see this list a little bit, I guess, but, you know, I think there's a more holistic approach to be taken. I think I'm most shocked about Turner over Correa. It's probably the biggest mistake, in my opinion, in this top five. Yeah, I agree. I agree, you know... We didn't spend too much time talking about Correa, but I feel pretty confident that he's the best shortstop in baseball. You know, I think all these guys have their reasons to be better than him in in X, Y, or Z, but when it comes to the whole entire alphabet, I think he's a better player. Yeah, he's the whole package. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for us here at PTC. We are two positions left before we finish up our top 10 series, and It's the battery mate, the starting pitchers, and the catchers. We will be having starting pitchers come out before the catchers because that is the order in which MLB Network decided to go. Don't ask us why. But yeah, we're going to have starting pitchers coming up next. And I'm really, really interested to see how our lists come out on this one because just given the sheer number of guys to be considered and the variability and how you weigh guys and pitching is just a whole different whole different mess so i'm interested interested to see what our list come out to be definitely especially after we were surprisingly close on the relievers i don't know if that can hold through to the starting pitchers yep and you guys will have to wait and tune in to see that coming at you in a couple days after this one so with that said we want to thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode and we will catch you on the flip side see ya